We are a brotherhood, choosing to lock arms, banded together, diverse yet unified. We are stronger together, and you are one of us. This is the Brotherhood Podcast. Brothers, welcome to the Brotherhood Podcast, the Brocast, if you will. I am Evan Uitaki. I have Matt Schrader here with me. If you are listening to this, expecting to hear one of the uh, monthly breakfasts, and you're going, "What in the world is going on?" Uh, I want to first of all welcome you to the Brotherhood. Welcome you to hopefully some incremental steps into the growth of what Brotherhood is and will become. So, uh, one of the things that we've uh, decided to do, and in, in talking with Johnny and Mark and some. Some of the guys that have uh, kind of been the foundation of what brotherhood is, is we recognize that brotherhood is something that is growing. It's it's a movement, if you will. It's a tribe and a community and that cannot be completely com- encapsulated in a breakfast. And what we recognize is that guys need more of a uh, consistent community that they can be a part of uh, to really become who God created them to be, to be the uh, to walk in the purpose that we have uh, in our lives. And so what we want to do as uh, hosts and uh, just stewards of the brotherhood is to find ways to kind of further develop some of the, the key principles that we're learning in the breakfast, the breakfast uh, uh, where we have speakers is, I mean, there's so much meat in there that I feel like if we were to just leave it as it was, that it would be underdeveloped. And so hopefully through our conversations here in the podcast and taking the opportunity to really dig into some of this stuff and hopefully share our journey a little bit too in, in this in this, uh, in this brotherhood, uh, it'll encourage you, it'll inspire you, it'll, uh, it'll motivate you to take steps closer to God and closer uh, to the, the uh, purpose that God created for you. Matt, if you can, tell everybody a little bit about what your heart is uh, for this uh, this kind of uh, recap, if you will, of, of the Brotherhood Breakfast. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Evan, thank you so much for jumping in with this and becoming, I mean, already a part of Brotherhood. And then this podcast is such a tremendous way to get just what you said, outreach out to men, to our brothers out there that are becoming a part of this movement, that are part of this community and are saying, hey, we're going to stand up for righteousness. We're going to stand up for purity. We're going to live our life in such a way that when God looks, he smiles and says, yes, that's the fragrance I want. Those are the people I want. Those are the men I created. You know, brotherhood from the beginning, you know, I grew up kind of, my parents had three kids really separate. So I grew up almost as an only child. And for a long, long time, I was just kind of this lone ranger, this maverick, this kind of doing my own thing in my own time by myself. And it was just very unhealthy and brought me to a place where, I I mean, to say I wasn't fulfilling what God had for me would be an understatement of the century because I was getting 1% of the life God had for me. And I found so much of that, yes, in family, yes, when I got married, but still, even with that, coming into a brotherhood, a group of men like you, like Johnny, like Mark, like the men that come to the breakfast and joining, locking arms, shoulder to shoulder, as you say, and seeing God move in our lives, it brought me to a place, not where I had these guys asking me, did you sin today? Did you do something wrong? But I had men living right beside me at full speed, and it inspired me to live at full speed. And I think you asked what my heart is, and that's what my heart is for this brotherhood ministry, is that a bunch of men pursuing God with all they have are right beside you, so that when you start to slow down, you feel that pressure of like, whoa, 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 no, that's not who I'm about. I'm not about this distraction or this vice. I'm about what the finished work of Christ is on the inside of me. Absolutely. Absolutely. We're going to dive much deeper into the foundation of brotherhood, the vision for it, and kind of uh, some of the things that we really look at when we're thinking about like, what is the brotherhood? I think that was one of the questions that I had first for Johnny is how do we, how do we really identify what brotherhood is and what, what, what makes it different? Because we know that there's momentum. We know that there's guys that are coming to these breakfasts that have a hunger uh, for something more and they want to have that, um, 
that community around them that's encouraging them and challenging them. Another thing uh, that really ties, uh, ties closely into this is some of the mountain men trips that you and I have, have been on. We actually just had a mountain men uh, kind of recap uh, feast, if you will, where we were kind of talking about what happened uh, through that community that's created through mountain men. I think we, we recognize that we need uh, brothers around us supporting us and challenging us. I think the uh, example you gave uh, growing up kind of being that lone wolf, if you will, is what I think a lot of us go through in our adult life uh, as fathers, as husbands, uh, as sons. And, and we, we, we feel like we're on this path by ourselves. And for the most part, we can navigate it. I think we have the capability to uh, work our way through that. And so we become reliant on that. And I think what we want to do through the brotherhood is challenge you to not be reliant on yourself and to bring that community in, to show that vulnerability, to, to empathize and help others along their journey, create that teamwork that we're all marching towards a common goal and ultimately uh, get to what God created us to be. Uh, one thing I did, I did want to say is, if you look at like what brotherhood is, it's embracing our calling, fulfilling our purpose, and helping one another become more like Jesus. And that's definitely something that we're going to really try to point to as much as possible and talk about as much as possible. Because if it's on the forefront of our mind, it's that closeness that Lee's talked about, that we're going to talk about here uh, from kind of recapping what Lee talked about in the September uh, breakfast. But creating that closeness, creating that accountability, creating that community to where we are challenging ourselves directly and indirectly to be more of who we were created to be instead of being complacent uh, and comfortable with, with who we are. So let's go ahead and jump right into it because I, I, I definitely want to uh, dig in a little bit to what Lee talked about. And so if you guys are uh, if this is the first podcast that you're hearing, uh, we want you to go back and listen to The Breakfast with uh, Lee. And it was on September 11th, uh, 2000, 2000, 2020, uh, September 11th, 2020. Uh, it was a great breakfast. And we're just going to kind of go through our notes of what we, uh, what was in, impactful to us, some things that really stood out to us. And hopefully it challenges you to kind of dig a little bit deeper into the content, or if anything, uh, encourage you to go back and listen to it. Because I think a lot of the things that Lee talked about uh, in this breakfast and in this uh, message that he had are things that are, again, foundational to brotherhood, but there are principles of leadership, there are principles of success that we can all learn and grow from. So uh, one of the things that he talked about first, and, 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 and Matt, I'd love to get your thoughts on this, is really talking about who are we supposed to be? What were we created to be? Uh, he uses a great example of, of Halloween with uh, Indiana Jones, how he dressed up like that. But I think the, the key message in there is, are you trying to be somebody else or are you trying to be what God created you to be? Well, what's incredible about that, that he brought out, is he brings out this definition definition of the real me. And he contrasts it with this idea that as men, we can just do what we want, when we want. And you know what's interesting is as you become more successful, you start to feel that a little bit more, and you start to realize, wow, if I want to buy something, I'll go buy it. You know, and I don't mean like expensive things. I mean, if like I want to stop for a cheeseburger, I don't have to figure out if I can do it. I just do it. Well, that begins to generate this autonomous feel that somehow this real me is whatever I want to do. And he points out that the real you, the real Matt Schrader, the real Evan, is not that guy, but who I was created to become this length of time of growth where there's like this timeline of like, I'm as I get closer to Jesus, I'm approaching the actual real me. Mm -hmm. Well, we, we are a reflection of him. And I think that's really kind of the, the ultimate goal. I was, I'm going to, I'm not fully developed on this thought process, but I think about like a beautiful painting, right? A beautiful painting has a, a, has a really nice frame around it. And that painting is really limited to the artist's interpretation of, of whatever that thing's going to be. And I think that some people can paint really beautiful paintings and they can become these beautiful works of art that they've created. But I think when we become a follower of Christ and we become who we were created to be in him, that that painting is no longer a canvas, but it's a mirror. And it's a direct reflection of our creator that's in front of us. And ultimately, if we can emulate uh, and reflect the things that he's doing and, and really kind of point back to him in all of those uh, accomplishments or, or things that we do on our own or we think that we do on our own, that 
by reflecting him, it's going to be the perfect version of that as opposed to whatever masterpiece we think we can create. Because if it's a masterpiece we think we can create, it's a static thing. It's not a living thing. It's not a breathing thing. All it is is just a copy of or our interpretation of what something could actually be as opposed to being the actual reflection of Christ. Yeah, that's good. That uh, The idea of the painting to the mirror does. It points at... We're a constant. God is always revealing, as that you know, Paul says in Corinthians, uh, right after it's thirteen, I believe, where he says that we look into a mirror darkly, and it's that picture you're talking about, and it's kind of a smoky mirror. And then as we get closer to Christ, the light comes on brighter and brighter and brighter, and we start to see things. And I think both of us have had those experiences where you look at it, and you're like, from a spiritual standpoint, wow, I'm not that guy. Like. That's not who God made me to be. I no longer want to be a part of that or make that decision or have those thoughts. Yeah, well, what I was thinking was, and because I, I want to talk about your uh, the the definition of phoniness that 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 Lee kind of brought up is is is, is and and where we're we're starting to create our own kingdoms. We're starting to create what we think we are going to be. But essentially, we're we're not being like our own self we're trying to be somebody else so we look we're looking across uh you know facebook we're looking uh at you know in our office and we're looking at that corner office and we think man that like i want to be that guy i want to i want to have that life i want to do those things but ultimately you you're you're trying to emulate something that maybe you weren't created to be and so when you're trying to do that you're actually selling yourself short because you're not walking in the fullness of of fulfillment and purpose of who who God created you to be. Yeah, that's good. Lee said he brought out this idea. So he remember he starts with pretending. And that's what you were talking about, the Halloween costume, that we kind of all have this concern that we're a poser, that we're just putting out something that's not 100% true. And I had the thought when I was listening we have that concern because it actually is true. A lot of us are pushing out this image that is not correct and that he it's not a true reflection of who we are. We know it. And he went in to say the definition, his definition of phoniness is wanting something different for our, ourselves than what God wants for us. So if you take that mirror reflection idea that he was that you were talking about and you pin it with that, then you've got this idea that I'm trying to paint over the mirror. I'm trying to add a mustache or add some hair for me, you know, and add things <laughs> that uh, that God never intended for us to add. And that what starts to become our phoniness, because we can look at that and say, that's not true. I am not actually mm -hmm. this person I'm presenting. I'm wanting a different result than what God wants for me. And because of that, I'm a bit of a phony when I do that. <laughs> and I think he actually hammered the point a, a, a really hard because he started showing a matador, and he was kind of showing, mm, yes. you know, the 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 bravery and the and the uh, the style that comes with that. And I think it when you look at some of the pictures that he was showing on the screen, you're like, man, it that's a man's man right there. That guy's got style. He's got swagger. He's brave and all that other stuff. But then when he's talking about phoniness, like he kind of flipped the script on us a little bit, and I'm. I'm glad that we're not a video podcast <laughs> because some of the images that he showed of what happens when you're a matador and things don't go right, uh, that's where things get really, really scary. And, and his point was, you know, it can actually be dangerous to not be who you were created to be. Oh, that's huge. It really can. And dangerous in the sense that you end up pointing your life at a direction that you're not supposed to go. Dangerous in mm -hmm. the sense that you don't have God. Um, you know, what I'm starting to think of that is that scripture you brought out, brought out Jeremiah 6, 16. I'll read it real quick. It says, thus says the Lord, stand by the roads and look, ask for the ancient past where the good way is and walk in it and find rest for your souls. And then they respond, which is tremendous to me, but their response is, we won't do it. <laughs> it's like, but the picture I have is you're standing, you know, when we're standing at a road in our day and age, you got cars going by back and forth. You know, when you're yeah. taking, if when we went to the mountain, you know, oh, so uh, story, I, I just got back from the mountain a month ago or so. Um, of course, Evan, you go on the mountain trip. I went this uh, summer as well. So I got split mm -hmm. off and it, I was a co-leader. I got split off because we had a couple guys that were uh, lagging behind. So I'm kind of leading them through. Well, this is, I was a co-leader, but it was only my second year to go. 
So as much as I remembered it in my head, the path, <laughs> I didn't. And I got, so I didn't get lost in the mountains, but for about 20 minutes, I was concerned because yeah. I did not know where I was. And I was like, man, it's getting dark. I've got these two guys with me. It's their mm. first time. What am I like? And you start to realize this is a bad deal. If we get lost on this mountain, like it's dangerous. It's going to get dark. Yeah. There's animals. It's going to get cold. Like this is scary. So mm. that picture, he says, um, ask for the ancient past. I was looking for what I remembered. What was that? What was that? Oh, there it is. There's the landmark I was looking for that takes me along the path back to camp and gets us to where we're supposed to go. And he's pointing that picture out. He's saying, if you want to go the safe way, if you want to be protected, if you want to go the way that uh, I or God himself can um, give you, he says, rest, it's this peace that when you know you're at in the right space at the right time, even if it's difficult, you can relax and you can say, ah, okay, I'm good. And that's what he's saying in this scripture. He's saying, listen, it's dangerous if you don't take ancient wisdom. And if you don't go the way I have mm -hmm. for you, God, it's a danger to you, to your family, to your kids. I mean, it's it's just a life of danger. Man, way to make it really dark and heavy there, Matt. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> so much responsibility. Well, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just I'm just messing with you. <laughs> but one of one of the things, so I interpreted that a little bit different. Um, okay. And when I when I heard ancient past, I actually heard mentorship. I heard go to kind of the, that next generation that's kind of walked those ancient paths. And those can be your guides through all of that. And I think that one of the, the challenges that we run into is we figure, and, and I'm going to speak from personal experience, I can figure it out on my own. Yeah. I can, I can do this myself. And I think, I think in that next scripture, they said, no, we're not going to do that. We're going to, we're going to do it our own way. And I think that that is like, for me, a, a challenge that I've had to overcome in my journey is recognizing that I don't know everything. Yes, maybe I can figure it out. I mean, that's, I, I think it's a blessing and the curse to have that ability to kind of, you know, navigate stuff and just like, Hey, we, I don't have a plan, but we're going to figure this out and we're going to make it happen. We're going to have a good time. Okay. Yeah. That can be great when you're, you're going on an adventure, but when your family's on the line, you, you don't necessarily want to take the long path. You want to take the, 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 the proven path, the path that's going to lead you to success, uh, that's going to get you there, um, and conserve energy or, or whatever, it, whatever it may be. But for me, it's, it's really recognizing that I can accelerate my pace in my leadership and my growth and my spiritual walk, whatever else, by having those mentors in my life. The people that can uh, kind of look and see the blind spots that I have and can input into me that's going to help me, me get there that much faster. Could I figure it on my own? Yeah, probably. I could probably make all the mistakes that somebody else has made and ultimately get to the same destination. But how much time have I wasted in my yeah. premise? How much, how much distraction have I entertained in that path to what God created me to be? Probably more than I should have. So why not go back to those ancient paths to those mentors that can really help guide me through discovering my purpose, which I think is something that we're going to talk about a lot all throughout this podcast and all throughout uh, all the different uh, speakers that we have. Because we're, I feel like purpose is something that you know I know that I need to have, but is often the most difficult thing for me to grasp. Sometimes um, the guy that we heard speak last night said that he was uh, 61 years old and finally found his purpose, was was fully in right. his purpose to where he could get started at 61. Uh, I, I, I envied him a little bit because I'm like, man, you figured it out. That's awesome. Like, I can't wait to see what you do with that. But at the same time, I'm like, do I want to wait till I'm 61? Or can I talk to a guy like him yeah. who's 61, who's finally figured it out? And can he accelerate my path for me so that I'm not taking as long of a path to get there? Not that there's anything wrong with figuring out your purpose at 61. I think that's fantastic. And I'm really excited for him. But for me, it's like, do I want to figure it out on my own or do I go back to the ancient path and, and tap into those mentors that are going to help me get there faster? Well, I'm glad you mentioned mentorship and the importance of men in your life that can speak into your life. I want to share a little bit of my experience with mentorship because it might be a little bit different than usual. <coughs> so I can remember 10, 15 years ago, wanting to have that experience in business. You know, I was a teacher and a coach at that time and I would go kind of seek out these men. And man, it fell flat for me every 
time. You know, and, and I, I realize that now I'm approaching these guys who are already busy, who are already, you know, they've got so much pressure. They don't necessarily have a heart to pour into somebody. But I just felt like every guy I sat down with lunch, I'd be like, man, you know, and sometimes it'd be an outright, you know, how can we set up a mentorship? Can you mentor me? And then sometimes it's just like kind of hinting at it. Fell flat every time. So I, I can remember getting to the end of my 20s and feeling a little bit like I failed in the whole mentorship thing. And then I discovered that there was another way God could do it with me. And it was through communities like what we have with the brotherhood. I was just this morning, I'm talking to a guy and, you know, and we have these breakfasts once a month. So there's a little bit of catch up and inevitably there's always the question, how's business going? How's work going? So I started expressing some of the stress I'm in right now with hiring and staffing. We're growing. So we got to get more people in. And so he starts talking about some of his experience and he dropped some wisdom and knowledge that lined right up with some challenges that I was facing right there. I was mentored right at that moment because I was in a space with other men that believed in a similar way who were cha being challenged in similar ways. And that is how the majority of my mentorship has come is just being in a community and just being in a conversation. And then that rolls right into advice I needed perspective. I needed a, a breakdown of how I should see my business. You know, sometimes then it goes to coffee, then it goes to lunch. Then next thing you know, I'm interacting with these guys on a regular basis. And I turned around a few years after I'd gotten frustrated with my mentorship quest. And I realized I was like, Lord, you've given me mentors. Oh my, I, how did this happen? <laughs> I have guys that are speaking into my life and yet it's not this awkward assigned thing. It's a genuine relationship. So it's just when you speak to that mentorship, there's so many different ways, you know, if guys are listening right now and either they don't have access to mentorship, they don't, it's an awkward thing for them because relationships, maybe they're not strong in interpersonal relationships. God will bring it along a number of different ways. If you'll just put yourself in a place where you're in community with other men. Well, I'm so glad that you shared that because I think that there's probably a lot of people, especially if they're kind of in the entry phase of brotherhood where, you know, they're starting to go to the breakfast and they're like, man, I see the change in some of these people. I like, I see like these tables of guys that are just like, you can tell that they have a strong bond. And I feel like I'm the, on the outer edge of that. And we want to continue to close that gap so that you don't feel that. But at the same time, I think part of that is the consistency of showing up, the consistency of putting yourself out there, embracing that uncomfortability and really kind of developing and finding ways to build that. Uh, one of the things that I know just be in the heart of brotherhood, and, and I think we're going to start to see it more and more, is you're going to see that growth in that community through some of those tables and whatever else. So if you're in that situation, you're like, man, I keep coming, uh, but I don't necessarily feel a connection to somebody or, or to a, a particular group. I would call that an unholy rest to build your own community. So start inviting people, start encouraging people to come and start stepping up and being that person in somebody else's life. And indirectly, what you'll find is you're going to get more out of the people that you're bringing together uh, than they may actually get out from from joining you in that path. And it's it's ultimately that that principle of if you help enough people accomplish what they're trying to accomplish, you'll indirectly accomplish the thing that you're trying to accomplish. And what I've found over my journey through all of this is there's a lot of people that probably aren't talking about the struggles or 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 the the journey that they're on, but we're all on the same journey. And we're all trying to have the best life, be successful, have a good family, uh, you know, do well in business, make lots of money, have good health. We, we, we all want that. I don't, I don't think I've ever talked to somebody that says, man, you know, I really just am totally content with uh, being in poverty. I don't think anybody's ever just kind of just uh, uh, said like, this is my purpose. This is what I was created to be. We're all striving for the same thing, but we're not talking about it. And we're, we don't have that community. And sometimes it's just stepping up and saying, hey, I want to be that guy for me five years ago. And you're saying to yourself, I, you know, who am I to do this? And I think ultimately, uh, it doesn't matter if you have like you know, the best walk with Christ or you've been attending church for a certain amount of time. It's that you're ready and that you're willing to be used by God. And if you ultimately will step up and allow God to use you, 
I think you're going to see that so much more is is possible with that by just saying, yes, I'm willing. Yes, I'm ready. And that's what we want to do through Brotherhood is create that community, create that opportunity for you to step into that role. And you're going to impact the lives of a lot of other people, but you're also going to impact your own life. That's good. You know, Lee continued in speaking on that. He moved on from that section to this idea. He said the phrase, you were created to be a king. Act like it. How how did that land? Like, it hit me pretty strong. I love statements <laughs> like that. You know, when, we, uh, when he first said that, my initial thought was, like, like I, almost like a sense of a sense of entitlement. Like I don't think I interpreted it the direction that that he went with it. Like, hey, you, you're royalty. You're, you know, of the family of Christ, and like, you know, here's all the blessing and all the other things that 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 come from it. And I I feel like he kind of twisted it uh, in a complete different direction of kind of where my mind was like is like you know I, I think. I was thinking like you have authority like in in life and in situations and you need to you need to embrace that authority which again not necessarily untrue but I think in the context of this uh w- the direction he was going was completely different which uh w- he's basically saying we have been entrusted with power uh and what are we doing with that power are we uh, allowing people to prosper and enabling and helping people grow or are we bringing harm to those under our care? And I think that the challenge that we as men face and the, the challenge that Lee uh, spoke about in his life is that that was part of his story. Part of his story was he was entrusted with power and he actually brought harm to others as opposed to bringing life and health to others. And I think that's where it really hit me where it was like, okay, like my job, my purpose in all of this stuff is that God has created me and put me in a position of leadership, whether it be one person, just myself, or hundreds of people. I'm I'm in a position of leadership. I am a king in a kingdom, but what kind of kingdom am I creating for others? It's not, look at me, I'm the king. It's how am I creating uh, a kingdom that benefits everyone within the kingdom, a kingdom that people want to be a part of instead of a, a kingdom that people want to get away from. So that hit me really, really hard. All right. And if you're listening to this podcast, you have you weren't at that breakfast or you haven't heard Lee speak or uh, you've yet to be to a breakfast, Lee's story is that he rose in leadership of a church, became lead pastor of a church, and then fell to a an affair, and then God restored him. That... You know, when he speaks to that, you know, he quoted, um, he, he read a sentence that he had written down that uh, he had heard, but about God entrusts power to men, and the majority of men's story is that they then squander that power. And he uses his story, which is a pretty powerful story, to show how he squandered it. And then, of course, the redemption side of that is that God has then brought that power back and that he has a pastoral role and he's able to step back into his calling and do so much more. And, you know, really, Mountain Men, uh, part of Brotherhood, was founded with uh, Lee's experience. And, you know, when he says that phrase to be created by a king, act like it, it brought to my mind the scripture, Proverbs 29, 2. That scripture says, when the righteous increase, the people rejoice. When the wicked rule, the people groan. There's other translations, and they paint the picture of what he said. You're you're created to be a king. What you brought out, that you have this realm of responsibility. If you're ruling righteously, the people in your camp, the people in your influence are rejoicing. But if you're ruling wicked, they're groaning. It's hard. It's it's just not a great environment for him. You know, that hits when you start talking about family, start thinking about kids, start <laughs> thinking about your wife. You know, he even brought it out. Are you a tyrant at home? You know, I think that's a question we all have to ask ourselves, not to go dark again, Evan, but man, what's it? Maybe I need to, I'm going to need some Jesus or something this weekend. I need to relax. I've had a stressful week is what it is. That's what it is. My week has been rough, but um 
Yeah, I'm going to have to go just watch some <laughs> comedy shows this weekend so I can get relaxed. No, but. no, no, no. I think that uh, I think what you're talking about, and, and I was I was joking about kind of bringing the mood down, but I think that's some of the things that we don't like to talk about. Everyone wants to talk about the things that make them feel good. Like, hey, you know, I'm a, I'm a good person. You know, everybody in my kingdom, like, you know, nobody died today. So I feel like that's, a, you know, it's a pretty pretty good deal. Like, we've, we've survived. Like, you know, I've been married for 16 years, like, or 17 years. Like, you look at just the track record of like, well, I'm still married. So therefore it's a success. But I think what, what Lee's kind of alluding to here is just because you're still functioning does not necessarily mean the quality of life of your kingdom is great. And I think it puts more of a responsibility on us as leaders uh, and as men to really take a, a look at what the quality of life is in our kingdoms. And I think that that's the, that's the goal behind this is to really dig in and do a little bit of self-analysis and say, is there room for improvement? Yes. Uh, what does that look like? Well, I don't know. Well, I think that what Lee talked about, he gave four different things that you could score yourself on to say, like, how am I, how am I doing as a king? And the first one was, uh, like, he didn't, he didn't pull any punches. Uh, discipline. <laughs> uh, doing what I should when I don't want to. How would you score yourself on on a score of one to ten? Uh, integrity number two uh, values um, uh, the internal values that you have. Am I am I the same around this group of people as I am around this group of people? Do my values translate, or am I inconsistent with who I am? Uh, humility. Humility is, I think, some of the things that we probably don't think about when we're talking about leadership. We don't think about when we're talking about, like, you know, being a king. Like, I don't know many humble kings. I, I can't think of a, a humble king. I, I think of, like, a, a militaristic king, right, that conquers. But I'm not necessarily thinking about, like, the humility of a king, which is trusting God more than yourself. And I think that, you know, that one for me— like in theory, like I scored myself really high. And then uh, when I thought about it a little bit more, I was like, oh crap, I'm like a two. <laughs> like, like I have to, I have to really, really kind of reflect and like, like how much do I worry? Like how stressed am I all the time? Like, like when I'm uh, doing all the things that I'm doing, like I want to provide for my family. I want to give them the best life that they possibly can. But then I'm just like, no, we can't do that because we don't have the money. No, we can't do that because X, Y, and Z. Like I'm saying no so many single single times because I'm depending on myself. Now, not to say you should just go max out your credit cards and spend all the money that you have, but at the same time, like, where's my faith in all of this when it comes to like providing? Is it am I the limit? Am I the 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 person that controls how much money we make as a family or the quality of life that we have? Or can I concede that to Christ and say, I am a steward of whatever you give me and I'm gonna I'll release that. I'm going to go with both open hands instead of clutching on to what I think the kingdom that I've built and recognize that I'm a steward of your kingdom. How much more capacity does God have than, than what I have? And, and on humility, man, that one, that one struck me pretty hard. And then sacrifice, like what, what sacrifices am I willing to make? And I think that all of those things, and I'd love to hear, hear your thoughts on, on, on these two, because that was the practical application for me. Well, I want to, if you're listening to that podcast, I think you hit that 15 second button about four times and listen to what Evan just said about humility, because that is a definition. And you started off with, which is what I think is an accurate definition of humility and that you, you trust God more than yourself. You know, humility, the, the four he brought out, discipline, integrity, values, and then humility. The first three are pretty acceptable by men as like, okay, Discipline, that's a manly quality. Integrity, yes. Values, you know, I'm, you know, I, I'm not a hypocrite. I'm those are all very strong qualities. But depending on what camp you're in and depending on what circle you're in, humility is not always considered strong. And it's because our perceptive perception is this kind of soft, um, quiet, in the background, like a, push a little bit afraid yeah. type person. And that's a that's not the biblical that I don't think it's the definition of humility at all, but it's a not a biblical definition of humility for sure. What Evan just said, trusting God more than you trust yourself, that is humility. So I I just think that's incredibly important to point out if when you're scoring yourself, he if you're not 
if you have a high score because you're always in front, you're always important, you're always on top, and you're always um, – or you have a high score because you're always in the background. Those aren't the reasons to have high scores. Those are the re- those are different definitions. Um, so anyway, I just wanted to point that out. You know, sac- you pointed out sacrifice. You pointed out, you know, how are you at home? How are you – I'm learning a lot. You know, I have a – I run a small business and – I have learned a tremendous amount in the last year about trusting God more than I trust myself. It, you know, you mentioned earlier in the podcast being the kind of guy that just, let's just go, we'll figure it out. You know, I'll just start this thing and we'll just, I'll make adjustments as we go. I have a lot of confidence that I can fix it as you go and sell it at the same time and everything's going to be fine. But I started running into some spaces where I was getting maxed out on that. Like my capacity for that was getting really, really thin. And I had to start learning and growing. And where God took me was trusting him, being able to lay my head on the pillow. It's a practice that I've, I'm getting better at and relax and understand that tomorrow is tomorrow. Like I want to say this, I have gone from, so I was a teacher and a football coach. So I worked for somebody, had a boss, um, had the feeling of like, okay, that guy tells me what to do. And in general, yeah, I may have my department, but I, I do what they say. And so I had that sensation of going to work every day with like, okay, well, something's going to happen. I have a few meetings, no big deal. And then the change over to entrepreneur having my own business. And now it's like, everything is like, I'm choosing everything, which is super exciting at first. And then it gets stressful. And now God is, and this is by the grace of God and not my own strength, but God has moved me to a place where I wake up in the morning and that boss feel I used to have as a teacher, I now it's returned. And it's like, okay, God, what are you doing today? What's happening <laughs> with what you're doing today? What, what's my role? What am I doing? And, and the stress between the time I put my head on the pillow and the time I pick it up, so much less. My sleep so much better because of trusting God more than I trust myself. Yeah. I think that when you can fully embrace stewardship, uh, that's where that's where you have peace and fulfillment in whatever role that you're in. Uh, let's take it beyond your business. Let's talk about your family. Like, could you actually release your family to Christ? Because in the grand scheme of things, like by blood, right, your family, but you're really brothers and sisters in Christ. So are, are you creating an environment that is taking care of other children of God, you know, or are you in a a tyrannical empire where everybody in your kingdom is miserable because you're miserable because you, you have to be in control or, you know, everything has to go a certain way. You're a perfectionist. That's not the kind of kingdom that God wants. God wants you to have a kingdom where you're empowering people to be the best versions of themselves, who God created them to be. And so I think that's where you're talking about that sacrifice. You're saying no to your own personal desires, your own personal preferences in, uh, in order to allow somebody else to grow. And you're, you, it feels like a sacrifice because it's like, man, I just want this. I want, I want to come home uh, from work. I want dinner on the table. I want to be able to eat. And then I want to watch football the rest of the night. And I just want to relax because I've worked really hard today. But is, how is that for the rest of your kingdom? How is that for your wife? How is that for your kids? Your kids want your attention and you're giving that attention some, someplace else. How how is that kingdom for your kids? How is that kingdom for your wife where you have no idea what she's gone through all all day long and and all the things that she's had to deal with and all of a sudden you get a break and she's got to keep going. Mm-hmm. And I I'm I'm probably t- I'm stepping on some toes <laughs> here so I I, I apologize cuz I got to talk to myself a little bit on this too but that's I think that's part of it is like we feel like man you know we're we're the breadwinners we're going out there we're working hard we're doing all this stuff we deserve this break. We deserve the ability to tune out for a little bit. And not saying that you shouldn't find times to do that, but that's part of that sacrifice because that sacrifice is investing in that next generation. You're investing in your kids. What are you modeling for your kids? What are you encouraging them to be uh, the husbands and wives that they're supposed to be for their uh, in their marriages? I, I think if you start to step back from the entire picture, 
sacrifice, humility, integrity, and discipline. Like when we're talking about ourselves, we're like, oh yeah, yeah, we can do that, whatever else. But when you start looking at the impact of those things and how and the benefits of those things in your kingdom and how it's going to help other people, I think that's where you can really step back and say, every single one of those things has values. And I totally understand why those are important as a king and a kingdom to really uh, take those things and make them a priority in my life. And ultimately realizing through that humility and trusting God that you're just going to do your part and he's going to do his part. And even though his part doesn't work on your timeline, you're still allowing him to do his part because I think that's one of the toughest things that I've had to deal with is that I'm really good at making stuff happen. But if I force something, if I force something to happen that's outside of the timeline that God has for it, is it what it could have been or or did I potentially screw it up? I might have thought that I created something and I might have thought that I pushed it through, but maybe God was preparing something else for me. Maybe God was having that customer go away because I... I wasn't able to fully take care of them to the needs that they had. And there's a bigger customer that fits me more perfectly on the other side. I can't see that right now. You lost your path when you were guiding people up the mountain because you couldn't find that that path. But when you found that waypoint and you found your way back, that's where it really allowed you to click back into what you needed to do. You know, we need to make sure that as we're walking through this journey of of leading our families, leading ourselves, uh, and leading others, that we're really putting a priority on all of these different things that we can do. Because there's not a scoreboard up there that says, Evan, integrity for today, a 7.5, humility, 6.2. Like, I don't know how I'm doing every single day. Uh, There's not that ability to check in on it. So it has to be a priority for you. And the other part of it, going back to community, is that when I'm surrounding myself with people that have high integrity, that have high humility, that have high discipline, I can I can see that in others and I want to strive to be that because I don't want to stand next to them and be like way below on all those things because I'm just like, man, these are really good guys that I want to be around, I want to be like. And it encourages me throughout the week, throughout the month, throughout the year to strive for those things because I'm spending time with those people. I have that closeness to that community of people that are like-minded, that are going in the same direction as me, pursuing the same things as me, and ultimately helping me be the fullest version of what God created me to be. Yeah, Lee presents a framework, and I see him as questions that I can ask myself on a regular basis and to reflect off what you're talking about. When I'm asking myself the question, am I sacrificing for my family or, you know, how's my discipline? When I'm asking those questions to myself, even if it's on a periodic basis, and then I stand up against somebody who's also asking those questions. Inevitably, those moments when I'm not, I'm either avoiding the question because I know the answer, or I've just forgotten to ask myself, I watch them do it and it hits me. I'm like, wow, he's sacrificing. Wow, he's doing the things that need to be done. It reminds me of a conversation we had a couple days ago where you just mentioned the priority and value you had with going to your kids' games and how it contrasted with somebody else that um, a friend of yours. And what it, this is a to me a classic example of how brotherhood works. So that's a story you're telling to show the importance and value of um, pursuing God and what God's done in your life as a father. But listening to it, being a dad of three kids who are not quite to ball game status yet, that are in like, I started thinking, what decisions am I making right now to enable that to happen in my life? It made me start questioning, am I, is my work habit, is my savings, is my, are the things I'm doing right now setting me up to be able to make decisions to put my kids first? Or am I making selfish decisions right now? Am I out of, am I? Is my debt too high? Am I buying toys as a guy, as a dad, that are really going to just strap me down later? So then when I say I have to work, it's really I'm paying for my boat. And that's why I can't go to my kids' games, you know? (laughs) Hold on. Let's. Let, I'm I'm a boat guy, so don't <laughs> oh, no. let's, let's not crap on boats too much. Because if you take your kids on the yes, boat, then course. that's family time. 
or you're taking them fishing, it all it all works. But you know, I I understand where you're going with that. But <laughs> well, you had to go straight to the boat, man. man that was, that's like one of my passions. Might be the Holy Spirit. I don't know because I'm I'm not a boat guy, <laughs> I'm but I'm a motorcycle now. guy. Oh, geez. You're gonna have okay, to go. okay. All right, all right. <laughs> <laughs> well, motorcycle really only carries one person, so I mean, I feel like you know, if we're comparing, that maybe we should get you into boats a little you're bit. You're probably just, right. You're probably just, you're, just kind you're of far more Dave Ramsey would say I different. <laughs> I am a level three warlock Christian. Like as soon as you can achieve that status, then you're ultimately where you need to be. No, I'm just kidding. There you go. Okay. Um, right. <laughs> and, and now you're selling your course All right. to get there. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I don't think so. There, there is no course. The, I'm still trying to figure it out. And I think that's one of the things that like we want to share here on the podcast is that I'm I'm a jag. I'm just another guy, and I, and I think you are too. We're, we're we want the best for our families. We want the best uh, for other people in our lives. We want kingdoms that people thrive in. But sometimes our kingdoms suck, and our our kingdoms suck because we get we become selfish and we stop putting a priority on those things. We start looking at external things that you know maybe bring us joy, and that distraction takes away from the quality of our kingdom. And I think that what we need to make sure that we're continually doing is challenge, challenging each other and and, and st- uh, standing beside one another to realign our purpose and realign our goals of who, who we want to be. Because, you know, for me, the further I get away from that community, the more inward I start going. And when I become very inward focused, then the level of my king, the quality of my kingdom goes down significantly. And First, you know, for the most part, like my kingdom can coast a little bit sometimes. Like it's okay. Like I don't have to like every waking minute do something. But at the same time, if I'm not intentional with my kingdom, then I have an accidental kingdom culture as opposed to a crafted kingdom culture. And what I want to make sure that I'm doing is that I'm constantly reminding myself of the value of the quality of life in my kingdom and the quality that I want to make sure that I'm passing on to that next generation of anyone that is is impacted by my life so that if I were to pass away or if I were to leave, people would say, my life was better because Evan was in my life. And that's, I think, the legacy that we want to start working towards and hopefully encouraging people to create their own legacy so that we're constantly adding value, we're constantly encouraging people, and we're building people up so that they're better because of their interaction with with our kingdom as opposed to worse than when they started. One of, one of the other things that Lee talked about as we kind of move on here is talking about how our kingdom is always under attack. And I don't know what it is about Lee, but like he said it a lot more uh, with a lot more emphasis. Like he, he was kind of yelling at us a little bit. And I think that I think that was intentional because I think what he wants to do is not just say, well, you know, you're always going to be under attack. And like it's, it's a, you know, it's just a common thing that happened. It was more of a like it's a warning. It's like your kingdom is under attack. It's always under attack, and you have to do something about that. You can't just stand by and allow your kingdom to be attacked all the time because the consequences are, you know, when your kingdom is attacked and and things are falling apart around you, you're distracted again from being within the purpose of, of who you were created to be. So you're always trying to put out the fires as opposed to forging the trail and and conquering and doing the things that your kingdom was was designed to do. One of the things that I really like and hate about being under attack is that it pushes me outside of my comfort zone. <clears throat> when I'm outside of my comfort zone, that's where growth happens. So there's a silver lining to that 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 statement that your kingdom's always under attack. First of all, you're not alone, that everybody's kingdom's under attack. And so don't feel like you're being targeted or that the world's unfair or, or everything is you know, just horrible because you just can't figure it out. That's by design. We're all under attack. We're all dealing with it. Again, that brotherhood, that, you know, that combination of, you know, two are better than one, three is a, a, a strong cord that can't be broken. Like all of those different things are talking about building the endurance and building uh, a community around you to weather those storms. But ultimately, when you think about endurance, when you think about running a marathon, if you're seeing me on video right now, you're like, this guy clearly can't run a marathon. You would be correct. I, I have no desire to do that. I don't have the endurance nor the drive to do that. But the only way that I will be able to run a marathon is to constantly push myself outside of my comfort zone, to be uncomfortable, to just 
go through the grind of becoming mentally strong and forcing myself to do that. And that is that happens 100% outside of my comfort zone. I think it's fair to say that any goal that you want to accomplish does not reside within your comfort zone. You have to go outside of that to stretch yourself to where you can achieve what you want to do. And it sucks. It's horrible. It's when I was climbing the mountain uh, on Mountain Men, I literally said to myself, uh, this is stupid. I don't know why I'm doing this. This is like, you know, <clears throat> this is the dumbest thing I've ever done. But I I was so far outside of my comfort zone, like I couldn't go back. Like there was no comfort zone behind me. Like I was, I was so far beyond that I was just like, I my choice is to quit and then it's going to suck going all the way back down or I might as well just keep going and finish this. And the payoff of that is the accomplishment, the achieving the goal, the mountaintop experience that you're all striving for and that we all want. And so even though we're under attack, we have to look for ways to grow and push beyond what we think our capabilities are and recognize that that's where our strength can come from. That's where our ability to weather a bigger storm that may be coming, uh, you know, that maybe would have crushed you 10 years uh, ago, but now you have the ability to uh, withstand those challenges because of those small challenges that you've been able to, to weather on that journey. You know, along with being in a brotherhood and all of our kingdoms being under attack, all of our kingdoms are also under attack by many of the same enemies. So when you're around men who have dealt with situations, challenges, and they are defeating that enemy on a regular basis, that strengthens you in just your pursuit. It also strengthens you in your strategic perspective. You know, when you live that life as if I'll figure it out by myself and I'm just this kind of lone wolf, you also are limiting the ability. You're limiting just to your thoughts on the strategies you, you have to win, the strategies you have to live pure, the strategies you have to have a good marriage. And your wife actually feels like you love her, not just you say you love her. You know, your kids actually feel as if they're protected by you and watched over by you and guided by you rather than, yeah, that's my dad, you know. He, you know, I get in trouble when I don't do what he says. You know, you mentioned earlier living intentional, intentional and purposeful, and you said the phrase a crafted culture. That's tremendous. Like, I would write that down. I'm going to like the idea that I'm not just letting culture happen. I'm not just going to, because I think many men are in the place right now that I'm just going to live my life for God. And then things are just going to kind of happen. Whereas, but if you were a king and your kingdom was under attack and you just came out and said, okay, I'm going to make some laws. I'm going to throw some things out that are pretty good for my fa- my people. And then, you know, we'll just see what happens. That would likely leave gaps and spaces open that you could find and protect, find and guide people. And same thing in your family. If that's a, a kingdom we're talking about, then there's a difference between just saying, ah, oh, my kid's 13. He's going to be a bit rebellious and we're going to have a little bit of issues I'll keep at it. We'll get through it. There's a difference between that strategy and saying, okay, what did God say? What are other men doing? What am I finding out from men who have been through this before, who walk through some of these pitfalls? How can I avoid them? How can I walk around them? How can I avoid them altogether? That is what bringing things into a brotherhood does for men when they're having to face the fact that legitimately they're always under some kind of attack from some kind of enemy. Yeah, and I think that one of the things that I've seen in my journey is that sometimes instead of being intentional with everything, they go to coping mechanisms. They go to things that will distract you or numb you from uh, the responsibility, the challenges, the the attacks that are coming in. So, <clears throat> for example, you know, a friend of mine, you know, he owns a business and he was just he was just having a rough year. And I'm, I'm sure a lot of people right now are going through a rough year with all the challenges that have kind of come with 2020. But I think the the difference between um, 
you know, somebody who's really intentional versus somebody who's just trying to survive is the intentional purpose is going to, is going to dig into community. They're going to dig into, you know, help, help finding the right kinds of people that are going to help them along that, that journey to navigate that and go through that. Whereas other people who are, are maybe less intentional with it, but maybe have good intentions, they just they just don't know what to do, and they're so stressed and they're carrying everything, and they feel like, man, like this this all this responsibility lands on on me. It's really easy go, to go to coping mechanisms. It's easy to go to things that are going to numb you or distract you from what your true purpose is, and all that does is it's just procrastination. It's, it's avoiding the inevitable. It's just saying, you know, I'm just going to mentally check out. I'm just going to, I'm going to go do this and, and just not think about all the responsibility and all the things that I have to do or all the challenges that are going on. And maybe if I just wait long enough, it'll just fix itself. And sometimes it does. Most of the times it doesn't. It just, it just prolongs um, the effects of, of what that's going to be. And, and some people, you know, it's those small little decisions that you're making every single day, every single week of, am I coping with it or am I confronting it? Am I coping with it? Am I confronting? And that confrontation is so uncomfortable and it's, it's so difficult um, because you're vulnerable. You sometimes don't feel like you have all the answers. You feel like uh, you're helpless in those situations and you're just like, what's the point of me trying to uh, change this if, I, there, if there's nothing I can do? What, what difference can I make by doing X, Y, and Z? I, I don't know. All I know is I have to you know, just keep showing up and, and hope that it goes away. But I would challenge you is to recognize the difference that you can make. I, I think that uh, I'm going to butcher this quote, but uh, somebody said something to the effect of, if, if you don't think uh, that one little person can make a difference, uh, uh, consider a mosquito in a tent at night. I mean, there's so much that that little mosquito can can change the mood of your your night's sleep just by hearing that sound and knowing that that thing's in there. And I think that if you recognize that if you can tap into your purpose, you can tap into uh, a community of brothers that's going to help you navigate that, that's going to help you recognize that you're not alone in this. This is not something that is specifically targeting you and that people have been through that and they, they've gotten through it and they can help you along that journey. You get a boldness in you and you, get, uh, and you feel empowered to tackle that and you know that you can accomplish it. Uh, it's called hope. You have hope in your life, in your kingdom, in your leadership. And once you have that glimmer of hope, anything's possible. If I can just do this, then this could happen. And that's that's that faith that's rising up in you and you're starting to believe outside of yourself and you're getting away from uh, that, that or you're stepping towards humility and recognizing that that I can actually trust God to do this as opposed to trying to carry this myself. Yeah, that's good. So then when you came out of that breakfast, Lee's breakfast, what did you feel like your takeaway was? What did you feel like, man, this is where my next step is going to be? You know, I, I, I think it was just a constant reminder of I have to look at every single decision that I make. I have to look at every step that I take and everything that I do and really ask myself, what kind of kingdom am I building? Am I building uh, an Evan kingdom where I'm the sole beneficiary of all of those uh, things that I'm doing? Or am I building a kingdom that empowers other, that reflects Christ and ultimately takes me closer to my purpose. You know, this this whole who were who are you supposed to be conversation is something that uh I have been tuned into for a very long time. Uh and I if you listen to not just Lee's podcast, but a lot of the different podcasts um from the from the breakfasts that have come before this one, that is just an interwoven message to leaders today, to men today, is that really recognizing what God created you to be and resting in that and not trying to be so focused on the success of what you perceive success to be, whether that be a amount of money in your bank account, a title, uh, you know, the kind of marriage that you think you should have or, or the kind of car that you think you should drive, but really resting in and, and pursuing the purpose that God created for you. And if you can 
work towards that and keep that the priority, I think that's where you ultimately are going to find fulfillment in your life and that peace and that purpose that God created for you. So my key, key takeaway was I have to always remember that it's not about me. It's not about my kingdom. It's about how am I using the gifts and the, and the authority that God's given me in my life to impact others and reflect him. If I'm doing those two things, then I can, I, can, I can have fulfillment, I can have peace, and I can ultimately walk towards that conversation with Christ where he says, well done. If he says, well done to me, I think that's probably the most fulfilling thing that I can have in my life. But it's not just a, a singular event of, you know, I provided for my family today. Well done, Evan. Good job. Well, you know what? That's not what he's he's looking for. He's looking for how are you bringing others towards me? How are you uh, empowering others to grow? How are you using those opportunities that I'm putting in front of you? Are you seeing those opportunities? Are you seeing what somebody's saying to you? Are reading their body language? Are you recognizing that maybe everything's not okay? And are you just allowing that opportunity to pass by? Or are you pursuing that person? Are you asking the right questions? Are you living a life that is encouraging others to walk closer to Christ? Or are you giving them justification for being complacent with who they are? That's good. You know, when I got to the end, what began to resonate in my mind and still does is, am I doing the disciplined things that I know that provide a good environment for my kingdom? You know, it's almost a picture of, am I doing a walk around at the end of the of the day and checking all the locks? Am I checking the, you know, is food in the pantry? And I don't mean like in my kitchen. I mean, like from a proverbial sense, you know, am I thinking through, okay, what's my kids going through right now? You know, am I actually thinking a purposeful direction of how to navigate with them on that? What's Jessica going through? What's my wife going through? You know, what is she experiencing that I'm not experiencing? And how can I be there, even if it's just in prayer? How can I be praying for her specifically? And am I doing those disciplined things? You know, I, there are little things that I feel like the Holy Spirit has laid on my heart. God's put on my heart to say, okay, are you asking this question every week? Not like to myself. Are you asking yourself this question every week? Are you doing these little key things every week to make sure all the little areas in your kingdom, as to the best of your ability, the gates are locked, the, all the... Everybody's supplied and full, and there's no way for an enemy to get in. And no doubt, the enemy's going to come in some kind of attack. But am I going to leave a door open or a foxhole somewhere where it can slide in and get somewhere just because I wasn't being disciplined about loving people intentionally? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that leads kind of into the, the last point of it is that you will struggle without a brotherhood. I think that was that kind of really ties closely into uh, what what he was talking about as always being under attack. You need that community. You need that brotherhood. You need those people around you that are going to challenge you, that are encourage you to go around and, and, and check everything and be intentional with the kingdom that you're creating and, and having that discipline. And so I, for me, you know, I think this is a very timely message. I think it's it's a it's a, a foundational moment for what brotherhood is and what brotherhood will become because for us we need this. We we have to have uh, a band of brothers that will walk through life with us to encourage us uh, to to you know grab your hand and, and pull you up and, and and help you when you're struggling but also celebrate with you when you get a victory. And I think that you know Going that that path on our own uh, and 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 trying to accomplish something uh, with our own power, you know, there's a temporary fulfillment in that, but it's not a long term fulfillment. There's a temporary uh, uh, a sense of accomplishment that you get, but ultimately, you want to have the kind of life that God created for you. And if you're not having that closeness with him and you're not creating and fostering that community that you that you need uh, uh, for a brotherhood, you're going to struggle. And that that is, again, not unique to you. We're all going to have to deal with it. We're all going to need the brotherhood at some point. We're all going to need you know, people in our lives to encourage us and, and help us along the way. I, I think about Again, uh, on a mountain trip, when you're hiking and you're and and somebody's lagging behind, you're all walking towards a common goal, but you can see somebody lagging behind when you're when you're doing something like that because 
like visually, you can see somebody breathing hard. You can see somebody having to take more rest. You can like, so everybody's kind of uh, in a situation where they're tuned into like the whole team goes or we all stop. And in life, I don't know that we always have that ability to look around us and say, man, I, I, I feel like Matt's struggling right now. Like I can tell that like he's like, he's not where he needs to be. And how can I encourage him? How can I, you know, give him my granola bar, give him some water? Like what, what does that look like in our everyday life to where we can use that brotherhood to have that closeness to each other and closeness to Christ that we can recognize, hey, as we're on this journey and on this path to accomplish uh, the kinds of kingdoms that we want, is there somebody who's straggling behind in their kingdom and what can we do to help that person out? And I think that's where the brotherhood really comes into play and helping other people become uh, and encourage them to become where they need to be because our role, just as much as it is to encourage other people and to be there and create that community, our, our role also is to see when somebody's struggling and see when somebody's lagging behind and find a way to extend a hand to help them. I don't know that I fully have a way that I can just say, hey, do X, Y, and Z and that's gonna help that person. I don't have that answer, but I think if I'm around enough people and I'm tuned in enough that I know that that when those opportunities come, all I have to do is say, I'm willing to help. I'm willing to ask that question. God, use me in this situation so that I can be that person that I'm probably going to need somewhere further along in my life to reach down and help me up whenever I'm struggling. And I think that's why, uh, you know, Lee was so passionate about you know, the importance of brotherhood and the importance of, you know, this message to us right now, because I think this is something that we're going to continue to see grow uh, because the need is there. There's a, a thirst and a hunger for it. Uh, and I think we're all just trying to figure out what is what does that next step look like for us and how do we walk closer to that? Yeah, it's about knowing the cadence of life of the men you're around. You know, you've got to be close enough to them, be around them often enough to know nothing's wrong something's wrong, something's off, something, you know, there's something different about said person. And that's what putting yourself in a position of a brotherhood more than even just a workplace on a regular basis does for you and for the men you're around. I mean, it's huge. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Matt, I don't know if you've realized this, but we've actually been talking for almost an hour. I think we've eclipsed the amount of time that Lee has talked. So we're going to go ahead and wrap it up. But thank you for uh, being on this and, be, and being a part of this. And we're going to try to figure out more ways to communicate and more ways to kind of dig into some of the different things that we have. Uh, Jim Bridenstine actually spoke today at the Brotherhood Breakfast. And so uh, I don't think there'll be an actual recording of that, but we're going to talk a little bit about our um, our our thought process and what we got out of that. So stay tuned for that. So hopefully if you weren't able to attend that, we'll at least be able to give you a little bit of a glimpse of what it was like to be in that room and, and hear uh, from Jim Bridenstine because it was a really awesome like educational message. But I think if you read between the lines with some of the things that he was talking about, I think there's some really cool uh, nuggets that we can tap into that again are just going to help us build our kingdoms better uh, and, and be better brothers, husbands, and sons to our families. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's fantastic, Evan. It's a great opportunity for Brotherhood to continue to communicate and really get the Word of God out to the men who need it. Awesome. Well, with that, brothers, honor all people, love the Brotherhood, fear God, and honor the King. We'll catch you on the next podcast.